Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. And coffee is mm. in the spotlight tonight. <laughs> Always a fun beverage to talk about, especially for coffee lovers, and I think that includes most of us. Uh, coffee, one of the most popular beverages here in Singapore, and with the array of specialty coffees offered by cafes, a wide range of ready-to-drink options uh, popping up around the island as well. But some still prefer the traditional kopitiam kopi. Which I was told when I was new in Singapore is squeeze and sieve through a sock. Yes, correct. <laughs> and there are coconut husks involved as well. There's butter involved as well. So it's quite a production. It is a very flavorful cup of coffee <laughs> yeah. for sure. But this is also undergoing some modernization uh, in the way it's brewed and the way it is consumed with Singapore's very own version of kopi capsules. Yeah. Let's find out more from Simon Liberum, founder and CEO of No Harm Done, joining us this evening. Uh, Simon, what does kopi culture mean to you here in Singapore? Hi, uh, thanks for having me. Kopi culture is for me, uh, I would call it a love story. Mm. I came to uh, Singapore 10 years ago, and I can very vividly recall how I walked into a hawker center the first time. You can picture an awkwardly tall Angmo trying to make its way <laughs> to the drink stall in Yishun and uh, looking at the menu and being completely lost with the drinks there. Exactly. Kopisi, uh, Kopisi, Kosong and all of that. And not only that, right? They yeah. have a jelly grass drinks and so much more. Right. And uh, then I gave it my best shot and, and uh, asked the auntie for an iced latte to go. And she and laughed at you. An ice latte. She laughed, yes. I don't know whether she laughed at me or about me, or, but she was charming. They're always charming at the drink store, right? Right, right. So what happened? She, yeah, she hit me with um, uh, a Kopi Si Kosong Peng packet. Uh, basically the one in the plastic pouch. Oh, mm. did you know how and to handle that, that one? for me was like a, a UFO, right? I'd never seen one before and there was just love at first sight. Uh, and then ever since then, I'm hooked with Kopi. I didn't even know how to carry those plastic bags for a long time. So good yeah, for you, you for knowing how to do you've it. You've got to sit back and watch other people before you even embark on the journey. But I'm glad that you met a friendly Kopitiam person who managed to at least give you something for your ask. So how did you actually start finding out more about Kopi culture here? The Kopitiam itself is a, a wonderful place to just sit and watch people. Mm. Uh, I'm always a huge fan because it's so it brings just people together, right? You see young, you see old, you see fashionistas, uh, you see rich, <laughs> you see poor, and over a cup of kopi and a plastic chair, everyone kind of seems the same. Mm-hmm. So I've done my my fair share of just uh, spending time in a kopi jam and studying people and uh, how they consume the beverage. And other than that, my family is Singaporean. I see. So I was kind of introduced by them, and then it kind of. Uh, I grew naturally into it. Tell us more about your story, Simon. I mean, what were you doing before? And then what made you want to start something like No Harm Done? Um, well, I used to live... I'm a German, so uh, yeah. uh, naturally I lived in Germany before. And then I came to a study exchange to Singapore and met my wife here in uni. Uh, so love brought me back, basically. <laughs> All right. When did this idea came about? the local copy into something more atas and making it more of a copy capsule for convenience, I guess. Yeah, one of the things I, I noticed was that 
the kopi culture was such an important part of, of Singapore's food culture altogether and the identity here. And yet the moment you leave the hawker center, you leave the streets, it kind of gets lost. You step into the modern world, you go into, you know, workplaces, hotels, co-working, and even people's home. And everywhere you look, you see the same typical Nespresso machines and the capsules imported from the West. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, hey, why isn't this fantastic Kopi culture making the jump into the modern world? And I think one key point is convenience. And so we thought, okay, everyone's using Nespresso machines. You know, let's bring those two together. Mm -hmm. So I am, you know, I tried this Nespresso trend more than a decade ago, and I felt like I was cheating on, I, I used to be a barista in the 90s, so I do it manually oh, uh, nice. from an Nespresso okay. machine. I feel every morning that I'm cheating on myself when mm. I'm popping in a capsule into the Nespresso and pressing a button. So I went back to a manual machine. Do you think that, you know, the kopi, the traditional kopi, it's a different texture, or will your capsule capture the same kind of texture and taste and flavors that we are so familiar with? I think we are very close. Obviously, we cannot compete with the kopi chum in terms of experience, right? You go down mm. there, you meet people, uh, lim kopi, chak kopi, as they say here. Mm. Uh, you have wonderful staff at the, at the stall. All this we cannot offer if you do it at home. Mm -hmm. But taste-wise, I would say we are 95% there. 95%. What's missing? The sock. Missing this sock, I would say. Yes, that's a special <laughs> So if you have a sock at home, you make it 100%. So that actually affects taste and texture, really? It does, I think, because yeah. of the manual way of the coffee pouring out of the sock, maybe will not have the same as a, as a coffee capsule. I don't know. Yeah, it all, it all plays a part, I guess. Also that the coffee is uh, produced in much bigger batches over there. It mm. sits in the sock for a while. Yeah, uh, you can't really replicate a, that 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it gets even a bitter note from that, but people mm. are so used to it that there's a, a love for it. Yeah, and the coconut husks and all of the other stuff I've heard goes into it. How do you replicate that? Well, our product in the capsule is basically the traditional kopi. So it, it really... Um, follows the iconic preparation method. It's mm. uh, roasted in sugar and margarine. And then our job is just to grind it, find the right mixture, and make it work on a very small amount of kopi in a capsule. So the convenience of using a capsule, because I can tell you this, I've tried the Kopi Tiam style coffee grounds and used it in an espresso machine, and it just doesn't work. So in your capsule, probably it will work better uh, for people who need this taste of kopi at home. Yes, it works. Absolutely. That's guaranteed. All right. So what about um, the flavors? Though? Are you going to toy around with the flavors as well? Because we are familiar with whatever, the butter, the coconut that uh, we talked about. Are there any other ways to enhance this? Well, the classic kopi is, uh, is I would say, is perfect the way it is, and I wouldn't touch that. Mm -hmm. But we are always excited to kind of give kopi chum drinks a bit of a modern twist. So we've recently launched a choco kopi, a gula melaka kopi. Uh, mm. We have a Thai iced tea in the range. Yeah, we have other uh, coffees from uh, Asia as well that are more into the uh, Western idea of coffee. So we, we cover both, but everything is uh, based on Asian coffee beans. Right. But the people who buy this coffee, are they mostly Asian or do you see a variety of others also wanting to try some new flavors? I would say most of our customers are Singaporeans, mm -hmm. but it is increasingly interesting, I would say, to a wider audience, yes. Tell us more about some of the challenges that you faced along the way. It couldn't have been smooth sailing all the way. And how you overcame those challenges? 
Yeah, uh, running your own business is basically <laughs> a collection of challenges. I think one of the key challenges is that we we are very high on sustainability. Mm. So uh, we don't touch plastic. Everything that we do is uh, compostable. Okay. And that comes with limitations. So shelf life is automatically reduced and so on. And the journey for us to bring it to a level of quality and shelf life that can withstand the time, even on, in a supermarket environment, uh, that took a lot of iterations and product batches we had to call back and so on and so forth. Yeah, there were lots of ups and downs, but our current version, I can, I can proudly say that it's fully sustainable, fully compostable and mm-hmm. uh, can sustain the taste. But you also have to make sure that all your suppliers are operating sustainably too, right? Uh, yes, of course. Yes. Uh, so sourcing and where we get things from and that we really understand our supply chain is a huge part of it. Yeah, fully agree. All right, Simon, can't wait to try this. The copy capsule from No Harm Done. Simon Lieberum joining us here, the CEO of No Harm Done. You're listening to Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.